go live. Quite simple. You just press one button and all of a sudden, bang, we're live, as, a, as I'm sure we are right now. So hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to VUX World, where today I am absolutely honoured to be joined by Davido, Davide, rather, apologies for that, Davide Petromala of, of Avaya. Davide, welcome to VUX World. Oh, thank you, Ken. I appreciate it. I'm excited to be here and I look forward to the podcast today. Yeah, likewise, likewise. I, I'm, I'm interested to, to kind of pick your brails a little bit um, from Avaya because obviously we've seen a hell of a lot of a, of a, um, a trend, you know, emerging over the last sort of two years or so in the contact center space, in the customer service and customer experience space. Avaya are huge in that space, probably a household name for many uh, customer service practitioners. Uh, so definitely interested to pick your brains a little bit about what you're up to, how you're thinking about things, how you're approaching conversational AI and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm very, very appreciative of you uh, spending a bit of time with us. No, no, I, listen, I appreciate you having me and you're absolutely right. We're, we're jacked and excited about what we're doing around that space. And I, I look forward to just sort of walking you through sort of our vision and helping, you know, if you know, like you said, with Avaya, we're like the market leader in contact center, but we realize that contact center is not enough. It's all about engagement and we've doubled down on AI and how we can deliver what we call intelligent experiences around engagement solutions. Mm, nice. So tell, tell us about yourself then, Davide. What, what do you do at Avaya and, and where did your kind of uh, journey into conversational AI come from? Yeah, no, it's interesting. I, I'm, I'm product of an acquisition. So I ran a, a technology company for 10 plus years. We were, our specialty was all around customer user experience, right? We, we delivered uh, real-time collaboration and engagement out of you know, natively out of where people lived and worked on a daily basis. Avaya acquired that company and that technology. I was part of that group. Um, and they, you know, over the last five or six years, they did many acquisitions specifically around native cloud. And that's where I got involved. We were incubating and building out this global network around our public cloud. We call it the Avaya One Cloud. And the I, the whole premise was about, you know, as as the economy and businesses get into this experience economy, where customer experience is the massive differentiator, how can we deliver solutions, services to help drive better experiences? And when I say experience, it's not just customer, it's in any related stakeholder to the business because the more you can drive great experiences for your employees, your suppliers and your customers, the more value you're gonna to drive to your business in terms of connection, retention, and, and you know that brand awareness and that brand loyalty to your organization. So that's how we sort of, you know, I evolved. I was part of an acquisition. Out of many acquisitions, we amalgamated together to create this, what I'll call global cloud vision uh, on the premise of understanding that we had this massive, valuable customer base that we're looking or turning to Avaya to be that thought leader on how we could evolve what we call customer experience. And that's, you know, we knew that AI was going to be imperative I mean, in terms of, you know, businesses weren't looking at just a basic connection. Businesses were looking at how do I create a positive experience when I engage with my stakeholders, right? So they all talk about it. Negative experience can have dramatic effect on your business. A neutral experience might not be negative, but it doesn't create value. It's imperative that these experiences, when people engage with you, are always positive. And AI becomes a critical piece because it needs to be effective, it needs to be engaging, and it needs to be intelligent. So, you know, as we built out this one cloud strategy, the premise was composability because we know we can't innovate to meet everyone's needs. So we need to make, we need to turn Avaya as not a call center company, but as an engagement platform where organizations who understand their business can innovate based on their requirements. So composability became key. And that composability cannot be basic. It needs to be simple but rich. And AI provides that because it allows us to address the effectiveness, the engaging piece, and making every element intelligent. And uh, mm -hmm. that's you know that's how I got involved. And that's you know. And again, we we look at Avaya, and we've turned to many of our partners. So our partnerships with Google and and Amazon and Nuance and other vendors, because we know that not one vendor can deliver everything. And AI is so broad that when we get into vertical and unique use cases, we need to be able to tap into many partners to deliver what we'll call an intelligent experience. Mm, interesting. Well, there's a, there's a hell of a lot in there to get uh, to dig into there. Um, so, so 
the first the first thing that um that you mentioned which i think we've kind of we've mentioned it on the podcast a few times but um it's interesting to to hear you talk about the importance of customer experience and i've kind of used the analogy in a, a few times before where if you look at most products most of the time they all end up kind of in the early stages there's a lot of innovation going on but then over time they all end up kind of becoming very similar so if you look at any phone the iPhone, the Galaxy phones, Samsung phones, Google phones, they're all about this size and they've all got a big screen and they've all got cameras. And so it all becomes very, very similar. Um, what really matters is things like the operating system, how quick it is, the experience, the, the ability for it to integrate with your life and your ecosystem. You look at cars, most cars are built on if if not the same, very much similar chassis. A lot of cars share the same engine. You know, they're all very, very similar most of the time, cars these days. Because the innovation has been worked out, we know how good cars are, and we know how to build them. And so the differentiator becomes now it's about either safety or it's about, you know, the experience, the driving experience. And so the same thing is kind of happening. And it's be interesting, this is my thoughts, it'd be interesting to get your thoughts as well. The same thing is kind of happening when it comes to to engaging with businesses there's been a standard set hasn't there for what it's like to engage with a business and, and anything below that standard is it is terrible but when you've got insurance companies that all provide very similar services they insure you <laughs> um, and you've got like government organizations that all provide very similar services they take tax from you or they maintain things and so it, then all that's left really when you've got very much similar services and products is customer experience Exactly. I mean, that's the biggest thing. And that's why we talk about it. all this innovation. So think about the expectations where we are, especially with what happened last year. It sort of accelerated where we were going, right? In terms of my businesses have to be available 24-7, seven days a week because, hey, you can't come in the store anymore. You can't see me live. So now I need to make myself remote, virtual. I have work from home. All these sort of complexities that the global pandemic threw upon us, right, are not going away. Now it's become the minimum bar. I need to be able available 24-7, seven days a week. Uh, people need to be able to do and engage with my company on their own terms, on the way they want to do it. So at the end of the day, that's the minimum bar. And to say, yeah, I provide you all these touch points and you can connect with me is not enough. Now the only differentiation is when they do connect with me, the experience I have with that business. Because that will, de that will determine whether I come back uh, I return or I go in and work with someone else because it's just as easy me, for me to connect to another business on my terms through any channel. So the experience, the design of the experience is massively important. This is where I get into, you know, it's important that as technology vendors, we have to be a platform. The idea of being a monolithic service that says, here you go, here are all your touch points, here's how it works. It's not acceptable. What I have to do is provide you a platform that gives you that. And then based on your business, your customers, your employees, you know them, you have the ability to customize the way it's going to work to meet your requirements to deliver that positive experience. So you're driving, what we call is we're driving innovation to the edge because now innovation is not about being a low-level low programmer. Innovation is about domain expertise. I'm in customer service. I'm in sales. I'm in support. I'm in tax. I know what people want. I know the data they're looking for. I know what, what that engagement is needs to look at look like to be successful because an internal engagement with uh, IT might be, I don't want to talk to anyone, just make it easy so I can just do it myself. But an external engagement to customer service might be, I want to talk to someone live who knows me and wants to, and knows my problem and wants to deal with me and solve it and not rush me off the phone, right? So this becomes imperative that you, you deliver that composability and that composability allows you to deliver that AI element where it's intelligent right? But you drive the innovation, not for me to dictate it, Avaya, but to give you the tools so the customer can dictate it. We call it this, the total experience services. We have, we actually have teams at Avaya that specialize in what we call total experience. They're, they're specialists that work with customers to consult and provide the solution that the customer says they're looking for. But again, the, we do that to show customers that they can take on that, that task because they don't have to be technical. They, the critical is the domain expertise. The technology is there. It's about the, the defining the process that you want to build for your customer that's going to deliver that positive experience. It's like you said, the only differentiation is when I engage, what kind of experience do I deliver to my customers? Mm. Interesting. It's interesting because um, 
I've, I, you know, I, I, so my background isn't isn't in the contact center space. I've I've worked with contact centers quite a lot over the years, working in digital transformation and things like that. And I've worked with a lot of contact centers. Um, but my first real kind of um, st- when I started to get really into in, in in depth really was obviously working with with AI systems and things like that. And so um, it's interesting that over the last few years speaking to various contact center vendors, various people in the industry and, and, and when working in that kind of space is that contact center software itself, it kind of, and you've kind of alluded to this, but I'd be interested to, to go down that, that communications platform thread a little bit more because I think it's important for people to understand the, the shift, or at least for me, it seems like a shift in that yeah. you think of Avaya, Genesis, you know, Vonage, you kind of think of them as, uh, and even um, nice, you think of them predominantly as contact center system providers. But really what you're describing there is, is, is a cloud platform that allows organizations to build automated processes um, that has inputs from uh, any channel, contact center being one of them, but any channel. Um, and, and so it sounds as though Avaya and others are, are moving into being something, I suppose, a little bit like a Google Cloud platform, a little bit like a, an, an AWS style, but but specifically for enterprise applications. Is that, am I understanding that right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, listen, you're going down the right thread. It's exactly it, right? So, um, you know, any industry, any any technology provider, the differential, we're, again, the, it, the, the, any company that's investing in technology needs to look at a vendor that's open and that's API-based, that is platform-based, because there's the monolithic concept of here's a service, take it as is, just doesn't, it, it won't meet the market requirements today, right? And that's exactly what you articulate, it's exactly where we're going. And in our space, it's not about being a platform for everything. It's about, okay, we're gonna provide a platform specifically on our expertise, which is engagement service. Think of it as engagement as a service, where you can build solutions for customer experience, employee experience, or what we call the total experience because that could be any stakeholder where you're trying to drive a connection to your business, right? So we cannot dictate, here's the product, here's every, we can't innovate enough because the market, and you could, you could sort of attest to this, right? The market is so dynamic. Customer requirements change on a monthly basis. And again, I think last year highlighted that, right? The requirements I have for being in store is different from being at home Yet I want to be able to do the same things, but how I do it might be different. And customer profiles are different. So they're dynamically changing and the mar- and innovation cr- requires those changes happen you know, on an ongoing basis. So from a, a customer perspective, I might deploy a solution, but the solutions can no longer be static, meaning I want to be able to deploy something, evaluate it, get feedback, and reiterate. So that's the other th- reason why we're sort of embarking on this composable platform. We want to give customers the ability and agility to keep reiterating and keep improving. So that's the beauty of AI, right? It's not like, here's the AI and this is all it does. Here's the AI and it's going to keep getting better over time. So it can't just be AI, but it's also the process. So providing a platform to embed AI and to customize what your requirements are allows you to deliver dynamic solutions that can be reiterated and improved as they're in production. That is the massive differentiator. The days of a deploy a solution, here it is, amortize it over 10 years, then I create a project that in 10 years, how do I improve on it? Those are dead. Technology doesn't last, like technology gets outdated within six months to a year. So you need to make sure it's agile enough to, to evolve. And that's why most of us vendors in this space, we're gonna specialize in what we, we're good at, which is engagement. And we're going to deliver the core services you need. So it's not like we're saying you can no longer get agents. You can no longer get voice and video calling. They become features of the platform for you now to deliver the solution that you're looking for. You might start where most of the stuff is sort of pre-baked. But as you deploy it, you're going to get feedback. You're going to look at the analytics and the data. And you're going to easily pinpoint where it can improve and create more value. Hmm. It's, it's important, I think, that, that part around the whole concept of um, not going through this big upheaval to launch something and this concept of rapid kind of iteration and things like that. And it's something that with, with, with voice AI and conversational AI, with the tool sets that are available these days, 
what is really fantastic is that you can literally do that. You can start just with one conversation, minimal risk, minimal cost, you know, a little bit of effort up front to build it. But ultimately you can, you can go at your own pace and you can, you can take, you can buy it off as much as you can chew sort of thing, which, um, which I think is really good. The question that we've been debating today is, um, cause, cause this, this is related, I think, because most organizations culturally have, um, a very much a waterfall culture, don't they? And and you'll have dealt with this in the in previous decades when people were procuring Avaya systems. They'll come at you with huge procurement documentation, huge requirement documents, and you then need to prove that you can meet every single one of those requirements and all the requirements have the same priorities. And so it just becomes this huge procurement exercise. And by the time you get to the point of actually installing a system to use, things have changed, the world's changed, things have moved on. The thing you were going to use it for is that that environment's now changing. So but organizations still have that culture in many cases. And what voice AI and conversational AI are doing is doing is it's saying, look, you don't need to go through all of that. You can just experiment and try. And so the conversation that we've been having today on LinkedIn is around barriers to adoption and what are some of the things that are preventing organizations from from adopting conversational AI. Um, lots of them are running towards it, but lots of them aren't, comparatively speaking, given the number of businesses in the world. And so I'm interested to get your thoughts on that on that topic of barriers to adoption. What are you envisaging right now are some of the barriers to adoption for of conversational AI uh, and voice AI? Well, Ken, you bring up a great point. So most of the barriers are misconceptions of what's required to, to deliver conversational AI or they, you know, like you said, they take that waterfall process, they look at AI and they make it into this massive project that takes years to evaluate and they look at technology and that's just not the case, right? So as I said, your, your point is right. Conversational is very AI, it's very, very simple to look at. It, it's, it's about finding a problem and solving that unique issue that causes you a lot of pain and then proving it out and then expanding from there. So we always talk about this in, in Avaya, my specialist team, what they do is they call it sort of this sort of um, 3D process, Deve, you know, define problems. So it's not about, hey, forklifting the cloud and buying technology. What are the problems you're having? What's the process you need to fix? And then defining different, multiple ways to solve that problem. And then, like you said, this is all services, cloud services. So it's not like your call center has to go to a cloud. This is all layered innovation. And when we push innovation to the edge, you can solve one problem. The problem might be, I don't have enough trunks. People are getting busy tone. I want to give the ability for people to call in, uh, deflect to a website which has AI or deflect to a text engagement, and then provide relevant information on that call, right, just to alleviate pain. So you might start small where you're providing what we'll call a scripted agent that has access to data and can provide ongoing data on a daily basis. And then from there, and then that cost is lightweight because you don't touch anything you have. You're just adding value to your current process and you're proving out what you can deliver. And then from there, you can improve it. So that same thing that gave you immediate relief to capacity, right? A scripted agent that has access to data and provides AI to basic Q&A. Immediately, you can improve that by now layering in intent recognition, where now I can actually look at the conversation they're having with that agent and just, you know, are, are they aggravated, are they excited, are keywords they ask for, and then create a better experience and even richer automation through that, what I'll call first use case. Um, and then we can add even more intelligence, right? Based on how many times you call, who you called, what you asked for, the next time you call, I'll take you there even quicker. I'll deliver, you know, personalization. So it's all about not boiling the ocean starting small, solve one problem. It will illustrate how easy and simple it is. The ROI will be amazing because you're, you're getting the value as you're spending. So it's something very disruptive that people aren't used to. It'll dispel the myths of the waterfall process that's required to deliver AI. And then from there, it just organically expands. And we've seen this, like we've done work with many healthcare customers, uh, many government agencies where they, they brought us in immediately just to de deflect calls to a basic Q&A. And as soon as they got there, it, it, it expanded. They wanted to add two or three intents where it could be self-service. And then based on customer feedback and what they liked, they just kept expanding it more and more organically and to other use cases. So again, with healthcare, we were just doing COVID test results and then providing people instructions on what to do. 
and that involved that 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 evolved to do providing AI to contact tracers, uh, providing AI to people to call in and get access to information. It expanded to vaccine rollouts, vaccine scheduling. So all of this is about not boiling the ocean, highlighting key key pain points, illustrating how easy it is to layer it in, layer in the innovation from the cloud into your environment, regardless of your cloud or not. Right. The key here is every business should realize there, you don't, there's no reason to take on technical debt. Just subscribe to a solution, prove it out, and then expand for there. I'm telling you, it gets organic because once they realize the misconception, they quickly realize that this is a way to really rapidly build and respond to requirements that they have. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. I think the um, when you're talking there about um, – we're talking about barriers. You're talking about uh, starting with one specific problem and expanding from there. Some of the things that can can kind of prevent, I suppose, people from from using voice AI is that one one of the things is it can seem very daunting, can seem very um, new, very sort of like tricky. Uh, and also, someone mentioned today, which I think is an interesting point. And be in, Daniel, uh, his name is mentioned today that when things like Alexa and Google Assistant were first kind of put into the marketplace, the promise of what an AI can do was incredibly inflated. It was kind of like ask it anything, tell it anything, it'll, it'll sort your life out for you. But the reality of that is that, that that wasn't really the case. You could ask it certain questions, it would answer certain questions it wouldn't do and, and all this kind of stuff. And it's obviously improving, but the reality is that that in the early days, it maybe didn't meet people's expectations. Certain accents didn't work for it. Still, there's problems now with speech recognition with gender and race and things like that. And so what's your um, observation on what the capabilities of the technology are now? And do, do you get clients who are in those negotiations kind of either don't think that the technology is up to it or what what's your kind of general observations on the capability of the technology to deliver results at the moment if someone's sitting out there listening in and wondering you know is this is this actually is this the real deal yeah I, it's a great point so I want to make sure I'm not saying AI is the solution. You implement AI, it can do everything, because that's that's just a fallacy ready to fail, right? What AI does is it creates value in creating processes that are based on domain expertise. So AI adds, it's not about it being able to respond to everything. It's about building a process relevant to what you're trying to solve. So if this is, let's say, I'll give you the example, because we do this with a lot of internal help desks with some of our customers, right? There's HR requirements that people need to call, let's say password reset, or maybe there's there's a, a policy that they need to understand, right? So now I know the context that I wanna deliver. So what AI does is it allows us to expose data that people are looking for, right? So now it's tapped into a certain use case and create a really natural, uh, intelligent experience to when I go and access that data. Now, that might not be a live conversation, that might be a live text engagement, might be a live conversation, but the AI is helping me facilitate that very seamlessly. But it only works based on the process that I created. Remember I talked about domain expertise, why they're critical. It's not about AI experts solving the problem. AI experts are AI experts, but they don't know your business and they won't solve the problems. It's about building a process based on your domain expertise of knowing what customers want, what information they're going to be requesting, and you know, how I can make that accessible and make it seamless, right? And then implementing AI to really facilitate that rich experience around that engagement. And, and you know, and I give you the ex example where we've leveraged AI on the flip side is a live engagement. I'm talking to a live agent. It's a live conversation. Agents, they need to focus on you. I don't know if you've ever seen a call center, but in traditionally, Agents talking to you, and they're trying to access data and information at the same time. So, they're, you know, a human can only uh, can only handle so many things at once. What AI does is it, it think of it as a it, you can, it's being leveraged to sort of navigate, filter the content, make things relevant as you're talking, engaging, and have now have a rich conversation with that person. It's giving you information. It's listening to you, seeing what you're saying, the topics that are arising, and then. Part, you know, filtering that content to you to make it more of a, you know, think of it as an assisted experience and creating more value in that engagement. So 
again, to sort of respond to your answer is it's not about AI solving everything. It's about how can I leverage AI based on me, domain expertise, creating a process that I know will work and from feedback, how it can be improved and make and allowing AI to create a more well-rounded experience in that, that journey. I'll give you one last example. Think about traditional IVRs, right? People would call in, yeah, I know what you want, so I'm gonna give you static information and then you have to pick and choose based on I dictate where you get that data, right? That, you know, the problem with that is you're dictating to the caller what he has access to. And if you don't have one of the options, it all of a sudden is a bad experience. The beauty of AI is it's the same thing. I know the information I want to provide you, so I've given you 80% access to that. You call in, and now the caller can dictate the conversation. 90% of the chance he's going to ask something that you've got ready to provide to them. But they may ask for something else like, hey, I want to talk to a live agent. You're pissing me off. That's when AI will solve the problem, right? You know, like, oh, I hear that. I'm not just going to keep feeding this content. I'm going to now route that call. Uh, uh, oh, he called from Canada. It's French-Canadian speaker. I'll get him to the right resource to solve that problem. So it becomes a tool to, to really deliver that customized intelligent experience. Mm. Yeah, I like it. So you, you touched on agent assist there. Um, obviously, Avaya has a partnership with Google Contact Center AI, which um, <laughs> they must have some some you know resources at Google because I'm seeing CCAI partnerships popping up all over the place. But, but what what because you mentioned there the the the, the kind of like um, cloud environment platform sort of play whereby it's no longer about vendor locking. It's about facilitation. So you've got a partnership with Google. Um, I'm curious about what you use partners for, what you tend to do yourself in-house. I wonder if you can describe your approach to providing that capability. Like what, what obviously we're familiar with Google Contact Center AI. We, we've done, yeah. uh, we had them on the podcast a few, a few uh, weeks back. But in terms of your approach to partnering with other AI companies, how does, how does that look? Well, you know, we, we've taken this sort of open approach. So we have a strategic relationship with Google where we we really wanted to make our platform as a service very interoperable with their platform as a service. So not just CCAI, everything related to Google, GCP, you name it, right? So people, when they're building these big and broad projects, have the tool chest they need to really scope out their specific requirement. But what we've, you know, we realize that, you know, Google's not enough. Like, so we, as you said, we're we're the domain expert in contact center. So we have massive amount of data and expertise in the space. So we have our own AI related to contact center. So when I talk about that virtual uh, assistant, yes, we use CCAI, but we also have our own AI related to our specific call center use cases where we can implement transcription, uh, 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 data information, where we monitor and provide intent recognition, all that we bake in house. But then we realize that you know, yes, we're call center domain experts, but we may not be healthcare experts. We may not be finance experts. So that's where we, we expand our partnerships, like with companies like Nuance, who, you know, are a leader in that space. And they've got like all the major banks, especially around um, uh, speech recognition and transcription, where you can easily tap into that technology, um, as well as we do things for, you know, with what I'll call vertical uh, specific AI providers. Uh, I give the example healthcare. So you might have a and, and, I, and I think you and I have spoken about this before, it's about the whole customer journey. I might use, for example, a partner like Google, who's big and broad in access to data to build my sort of front-end AI, where I engage that conversation, the, the, the voice is so natural, right? We're using great technology, it sounds like a human, it's tapped in, and all of a sudden that conversation flows to a, a specific disease or a specific uh, topic. And then I have the ability to tap into another AI partner and we have this where we have AI partners that are, you know, all their their logic intent libraries are built on health, you know, you know, years and years of healthcare data and research, right? Mm. So that's important because, you know, one size fits all. Like I said, just like the monolithic, just is not the market requirement. When you think about, you know, go back to customer experience and being in the experience economy, you have to be open and broad enough to give your customers and your partners the tools to really drive what's unique to them. So a government AI project might be different based on compliance, security from a retail project. So we need to be open mm. enough to work with many vendors in our ecosystem. Mm. 
I think IBM did a lot of work, didn't they, in healthcare as well, making sure that uh, you know yeah. all kinds of information was accessible through Watson and stuff. Um, so you, you, it sounds—I don't want to put words in your mouth—but it sounds as though you're subscribing to the the future where you have general-purpose technologies like Microsoft Bot Framework, Google Dialogflow, Amazon Lex, IBM Watson, etc. Raza, perhaps. Um, although Raza, you could you could mold to whatever you want. But but let's say those big cloud providers. Um, providing a base level of capabilities that most people can use for most general stuff. But it sounds as though what you're getting into there is is uh, the future whereby we're going to see a lot more uh, domain-specific technology providers come into market that pretty much specialize specifically in this area of government services or that area of insurance or this specific part of healthcare. Is that is that what you were yeah. getting at Absolutely. So it might not. It, so it's two things. One, that's why we want to focus on providing a framework to tap into all this, uh, you know, all these options. Because you, you can't crystallize to say this is an amazing solution. You can only use this one vendor for AI. Just it won't be feasible moving forward because you're like you said, domain expertise will d- dictate what performs better at scale based on those requirements. But you also see it, you brought it up like IBM. So. At the same time, people like IBM and Google and Amazon, they'll have broad plays, but with specific, you know, the AI will be broad, but also specific in need. You'll have versions that are specific to healthcare in certain verticals or certain requirements. So again, that flow, the key is creating the flow and design around that engagement and then picking and choosing what makes sense. The ideas of Alexa and let's say uh, Google Home, they become, I'll call it AI channels to the flow that you're building on our platform that might tap into more what I'll call domain-specific AI. So, you know, again, AI is going to balloon and go crazy because it touches every aspect of our life from from endpoints to workflows to engagement processes, right? We're just at the beginning, right? And I go back to what you were saying, barriers. Not so much barriers. We're really at the beginning. Many companies, you know, they've dipped their toe in AI. They've done some scripted agents. They've started to do some intent recognition to make it of a richer experience. There is still so much more already they can expand on. And as I said, this is not deploy and go. This is deploy, reiterate, feedback, expand. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's why as we keep expanding, more and more AI options will, 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 will surface. And you need to be open enough to, to, to incorporate those things. Mm. Yeah, you're right. You're right. There's a lot. There's a lot of companies who've dipped the toe in. <clears throat> I had to make a phone call uh, to. I won't name the company. I won't, I won't name and shame them. But uh, I, I had to get someone to come and look at my boiler. <laughs> and so there's probably only a certain number of companies in the UK that will look after boilers. But I ended up calling them anyway. Um, and a part of me was calling them. I could have done it online, but I wanted to call them just to see what they, if they were using any kind of AI, basically. And um, they were, but it was very, very random. It was recognizing, you know, an intent, but then it was fall back into the DTMF and then it, without even trying to capture like a, a reference number or postcode. Um, and then it was going back into voice, but then it was telling me how to speak, say yes or say no. And it's like, well, don't tell me how to speak. Uh, so, so there's solutions out there that are probably... I mean, for all we know, that company might think that that is doing the job. But in the end, actually, I ended up getting transferred to an agent because it, it just, I just couldn't get through it. Um, so so there's, there's organizations who have probably got something in market using a little bit of, of AI potentially, but it's, it's not necessarily a great customer experience. You've already spoke about the importance of customer experience. So is it, what would you say to, to companies who have had something in play for a while and, you know, things might have changed, you know, it, it don't kind of, you because you're talking about constantly iterating, constantly improving. Is it a case of if you're a company who's done something kind of in the past, you might think it's all right. Is it worth reviewing that? Is it worth searching for, for new and better fish? Like what's your approach to those that are kind of dipped the toe in already? So, Kane, it's funny because as soon as you explain the story, I already know how that thing got deployed. <laughs> there was no domain expertise. There was no line of business that was involved in what they deployed. What happened was they needed AI, IT researched the technology, and they came up with something. And they, they, they put it up there and left it because the people who built it, they got to go on to the next project. And this is where I said it, it's going to fail. This is not a stationary exercise where I build and leave it. 
it is a constant, I call it the constant execution. So when you're in this, when you're in the business of customer engagement, you have to be constantly executing. So if it was done in the original process, what we typically say is, who are the domain expertise? Who are the people who are the stakeholders on delivering that experience? They define the experience and, and they've got the, you know, it's their liability, it's their business that relies on the performance. So guess what they're gonna do? They're gonna monitor, they're gonna reiterate, they're gonna get feedback, so your feedback, and they're gonna keep improving. So again, that dipping the toe and just walking away, then you're gonna say, it, it failed, AI sucks, it doesn't work. No, you didn't follow the actual process. Having a composable platform, having the ability to not actually buy equipment, take on technical debt, gives you now, liberates you to deploy and constantly execute, constantly improve and expand from there. Now, it's not about deploy it and see if it works. Deploy it, reiterate, modify, optimize. And then from there, you're going to have success and expand. So, uh, again, I'm glad you brought that up because that's typically what we see is, you know, I, I hear the word AI. It's not about AI. It's about how do I improve a customer experience? How do I build a process? And then leverage AI as a tool, not just to, to implement, but to keep reiterating and improving. Mm. It's a little bit like we need a Facebook page kind of uh you know, from, from years ago, oh, I need a Facebook page. Oh, we need some AI quick. Go and go and get some AI. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> right. right? Yeah. Where, you know, AI is the technology. It's not the solution. The solution is the use case that you've created. So in their case, what's, what was the reason for that use case? Was it a problem that customers were, were not getting a live agent or they were getting frustrated because they didn't know how to call it would ring no answer. Uh, were customers asking them to be able to do it on their own without talking to a lab agent? So what's the problem we're trying to solve? And then leverage AI as a tool to deliver a use case or to, a solution to that problem. And then, again, as I said, these solutions are not static. They have to be dynamic because what worked a year ago, four months later, need more need, uh, the, the need changes. And then what happened mm. in the middle of last year, more needs change, right? Because I can go live, I can't go live, I can go both live, not live. I, I want a combination thereof. How do I incorporate mm. the process? So domain expertise in the project is critical. Mm. And expectations change as well, don't they? You know, the more people use voice assistants, the more people have experience talking to devices, the expectation changes. I've said numerous times in the past um, that like my, my observation of it is that Google over the years have trained people how to search and your, your expectation of what a search box does is basically built on top of what Google have trained you in. <laughs> and so you can go to any website and make a search and you expect it to work because Google have trained you how to do that. Same thing with, with Amazon when it comes to shopping. You know, you, you kind of expect to find what you want on Amazon, but you certainly expect to be able to check out without a hitch and you certainly expect it to be delivered in hours, if not a day. And so your that expectation is, is immediately put onto the next retailer. IKEA is the most frustrating retailer in the world to deal with because they want they want 40 quid for every delivery and it takes six weeks it's like this isn't the standard that we're expecting and so google and amazon in those two i'm sure there's plenty more examples that we could list of, of companies who have raised the bar as far as expectations are concerned but those two companies as far as voice technology is concerned have raised the bar again so even if you've deployed something two years ago people are expecting a lot more from it now. Would you say that, would you concur with that sort of uh, philosophy that in parts with certain demographics of the population, the expectations are rising? Absolutely. The, the minimum threshold is totally changed. And, and COVID threw that up another level because, again, no in-person, everything's remote. So when I shop online, guess what? The people like Amazon and Google, that's the, be the, the the benchmark that I have to deliver as a retailer or as an organization. I mean, um, that's why composability, dynamic service are important because the bar changes and you have to be able to reiterate and meet those needs. Now, um, you know, I get, your IKEA example is amazing because, you know, when I was, when I was early married out of university, you know, 30 plus years ago, the IKEA experience was by far as a retailer amazing because that in-person experience with the restaurant, the way they flowed you through, was it was disruptive. Now, I can't go to the store. Do you believe that they tried to match that experience online or did they just, okay, I got to be online and deliver mm. our experience? So you see the difference? Whereas a company like a, a Walmart, you know, 
great in-house, you know, they had, a, it had its niche, locally available, accessible. Originally online, it was like just post the stuff. What have they done? They have invested so heavily because they realized the competition, the benchmark for, you know, that engagement is totally different online. And they put major investments on those online engagements. So it's, it's again, so important to understand. It's not deploy and leave. It's deploy, reiterate, evaluate and optimize constantly optimize i know it's daunting but it's not like the old time it's not like like you said the waterfall process where i bought technology had all this massive debt i may want to reiterate but i can't afford to i gotta wait till i amortize this i'm stuck with this can't mm -hmm. afford that anymore so the value of having this sort of layered innovation out of cloud is i i, I can it affords me the ability to invest on constantly improving because i'm not taking on any technical debt i'm simply I know my process. I'm working with partners to understand the process. I'm working with customers and stakeholders who give me feedback on the process. And I keep reiterating and optimizing to meet those new benchmarks that keep arising. Hmm. Interesting. For those in the UK, I think uh, Debenhams, Topshop, uh, we're certainly uh, victims of that kind of, we, we just we have to be online. We're not going to do it well, necessarily. We just got to do it. Like ASOS, we're just absolutely storming it, you know, setting a new level as far as inventory, user experience, turnaround times. You know, you, you could just, oh, and you can order on ASOS, get some clothes delivered, try them on. If you don't like them, send them back and it's all, you know, no questions asked. Um, but, but you've kind of touched on a couple of times about subject matter experts, domain experts. Um, so it, it, we spoke to Zamo last week, uh, Stacey and Guy from Zamo. And one of their philosophies with the Zamo um, platform, it's a conversational AI platform that's built on Microsoft Lewis. And one of their philosophies is about empowering business users for exactly that reason. So when you deploy something and you start seeing some of your no matches or your failed utterances come back, you're, it, it's better for a business user who understands the domain to be able yeah. to look at that and say, right, well, this, I think they actually meant this. So we're going we're gonna to map that to this intent. Or here's something we need to work out. There's a new requirement that we're getting here and we know how we can fulfill that because we know what the business is. Um, so that's very much along the lines of what I think is actually the next phase of AI, which is democratizing it and putting it in the hands of a business user rather than leaving it in the hands of someone who needs to be able to code in order to, to build something. What's is, uh, uh, This might be what you're getting at with the composable framework, uh, but I'm wondering what your kind of thoughts are around um, how or if uh, the the platform capabilities you're describing. Who is the who is it that's the user of that? Do you, do you have to have those technical requirements? Are you on the on the fence of trying to empower the kind of business user? Like, what's what's the what's the situation with that? With, uh, uh, with my yeah, okay, that's a great point. That's exactly sort of some of the things I was trying to touch on. Is early on we you know we we, we had the concept of composability and openness. The idea was, you know, we're going to make this completely API based. So we're, we're no low level programmers. You just need to be a web and mobile developer to access and build. And we realized we want to go one level higher because it's so important to have the domain expertise part of the process. We call them fusion teams. We want to make the, the ability of, of, of creating your customized experience, not to a developer or web developer, but you know, it's just basically an IT tool that works with the domain expert to fulfill what they're looking for. So we want to democratize the ability to rapidly reiterate and create these solutions. And that's what that experience, if you look at the Avi One Cloud and our experience platform is, it's, it's the ability for the domain experts to be able to go in, create their workflow. It's, I think it was like a, a web-based IT workbench where I can go create my workflow and in the background you're compiling all this code and logic so that, you know, it's it's in the hands of the right people, the people that understand what they're trying to build and how they're going to build it. I, in fact, I got a great story. I mean, when you look at how we train people to build conversations, and I'm sure that other people have talked about this. This is not some developer going through analytical data and popping up, you know, reports on what questions to ask. This is about, you know, we always say it's like you basically find a wall, you get the, per the domain experts, uh, maybe even with a customer, right? where they're, they can't see each other and they just have a conversation. And that, you start documenting the conversation. And that becomes the premise of the flow that you want, right? It's a natural, it's a very un-technological process, but you basically get a live conversation from a customer and domain expert to understand all the ways the conversation can go so you could actually build out 
a process when you're trying to automate. That's actually the starting point for many vendors, very untechnical, but very mm. much the domain expertise element, right? So again, the idea is to democratize access to the technology so the focus can be on building that rich process that's relevant to what you're trying to solve. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. We, we do the very, very same thing that and, and call recordings, call recordings to inform it. And then the, the table reads and the, and the back to back stuff is, is definitely what you need to do. It is, it is ironic to be honest, because um, as much as people think of it as the bleeding edge of technology, and in many cases it is, and you know, you look at the resources that, that Google and Amazon have had uh, working on their, you know, speech recognition and NLU models and, and natural language generation and things like that. And I'm sure you don't have a small team over there at IA if you're building out all of these capabilities and working with, with large enterprises. And so given that it is the kind of bleeding edge of technology, that, that is, you make a good point, which is that fundamentally what we're trying to do is make a true analog representation of of a conversation it's a little bit like it reminds me a bit i used to make music um a while back I used to fancy myself as a bit of a hip-hop producer believe it or not and uh there used to be all these plugins that you can get for like uh you know cubase i used to use and you used to be able to get all these plugins and what it would do is they would if you if you were to um not record a guitar, but let's say that you played in a guitar on a keyboard. You used to call them a MIDI keyboard. You're playing some notes. You can assign an instrument to it. It turns it into a guitar. Then you can add a plug-in, which is like a guitar amp, like a Marshall so-and-so amp. And then what it would do is it would apply or try to apply basically all of the same analog filters to that guitar. So basically all it was doing, it was a digital signal, but it was trying as best as it possibly can to make it sound analog, which yeah. is which which is counterintuitive because if it's digital, why not use the benefits of it being digital? But it's it's very similar, I think, with designing conversations. It's all about trying to represent the analogous feel of an actual conversation. Yeah, and, and remember it's it's so the it goes back to what we said, right? So it's not the AI. AI is a tool to help the process. So that analog uh, dictation of the conversation is really about defining the process, not the AI. The AI then facilitates how that conversation is going to flow. And at the same time, I might not use that same process if I want to replicate that same simple, rich experience if someone's engaging me over the web or over text. I would go through the same exercise that sort of, like you said, basic process of me engaging back and forth and trying to accomplish conversation. And that would sort of map out what the requirements are and then leveraging AI to optimize what we've just sort of documented in that process. So um, it, it, again, it's not saying AI is basic. It's about, you know, really focusing on the process, uh, on the experience, and then leveraging AI to make it rich and intelligent and engaging uh, based on it accessing data and, and, and improving. Like again, <clears throat> never forget the, the value uh, in, you know, the value that personalization and customization add to, to those engagement experiences. So intelligent enough to know the next time I call who I am, what I liked, how that conversation went to improve the next conversation. That's where it becomes dynamic. So I'm originally scoping that process, but that's not the end result. AI is going to help me facilitate that and then improve that based on ongoing conversations or engagements you have with current customers, repeat customers. Because remember, uh, you know, this becomes in our, in our space around AI why it's critical. In the old days, when you looked at contact centers and, and customer service, it was all about cost containment. How do I process a caller as quick as possible at the lowest cost uh, to say it was solved, right? That doesn't exist. That's a, that is not, that's a failure metric for contact centers. Contact centers today because you want people to engage with you. The more they engage with you, the more experience, the more you obtain, the more revenue, the more opportunity, right? The more connection you create. So now it's about every time they call me, how do I keep them connected, not just in that conversation, but into access to other areas that they might be able to engage with me. So AI becomes important to understand all my habits, all my behaviors. I might call for service, but they understand David buys these products on a monthly basis. So I'm calling in for service and might remind me, AI might also remind me other things I might want to do when I engage with you. And you see that with Amazon, right? When you're shopping, all of a sudden there's relevant, you know, or a social channel, right? You've researched something, you're now in social and all of a sudden it's feeding you up content that's important to you. 
And that's, I think businesses need to understand that's, you know, that's what we've come to expect, right? That personalization. So it might start off basic and, and analog, but it, the AI gives us a tool to amplify it from there. Hmm. Interesting. It's, it's, yeah, that's, that's interesting that it's, um, it's weird how, how for, for years that was the case that the contact center was, you know, trying to just get people off the phone basically. But then you started seeing things like Tom's shoes and loads of examples of that, where, you know, people have been on the phone for like six hours and stuff like that. And all of a sudden it becomes, ah, oh, actually, maybe if we do focus on the customer and we do actually provide a decent service, perhaps that might be better for us. So uh, it's nice that AI can be used to, to do that. But I'm, I'm wondering whether, There'll be there'll be people listening who um, are thinking, well, that's all well and good. Cloud services all sounds well and good, you know. But we we we've got an on-prem solution, whether it's a via or not. We're a bit kind of hamstrung now. Speakeasy, I don't know if you're familiar with Speakeasy, but they, they are. I'm a big fan of Speakeasy. Um, Frank Schneider, the CEO there, uh, they're working on some really really good stuff. And um, one of the things that he kind of uh, always talks about is with their technology being able to integrate to on-prem solutions uh, to provide that kind of voice AI capabilities. And in some cases, uh, the, the cloud providers or the cloud providers of, of conversational solutions actually in some ways make it a little bit more difficult to integrate on-prem because you likes of Amazon have got, got Amazon Connect and, you know, Google, are, I wouldn't be surprised if Google had ended up with having a call center system. And so there's almost like an initiative to get people moving away from on-prem into the cloud because it's not just the contact center that they're going to move into the cloud. It may well be their entire business architecture. And so there's, there's a big fish to go after there. Um, but that, as going back to Frank, one of the things that, that he always mentions, which I really love, is why throw away all of that investment that you already have if it's not broken? But there aren't actually that many technology providers, AI providers, who make it easy to integrate with on-prem solutions unless you want to use like an audio codes, voice AI gateway or something like that to, to bridge that gap. So I'm just curious about your your approach and how you go about, because I'm assuming Avaya have got a, a decent proportion of on-premise customers how do you approach that? Yeah, no, listen, that, that's a critical thing for a buyer, right? So as I mentioned, we probably own the market in on-premise call center. Like we own that infrastructure around the world. So for us to say, hey, you can only innovate and you can only get access to AI by moving 100% cloud would be a fooled strategy, right? Because, you know, our systems work. They're solid. They scale at speed. So if there's an ROI because managing the asset makes no sense, and it's just time to go cloud, yeah, there's a journey. But that's not, you know, if I look at, you know, where I've been involved, where we're delivering uh, innovation or AI and, and automated workflows to customers, most customers, they're not cloud, they're on-prem, it's working, but they have issues, they have problems, and they're leveraging our cloud to integrate into that environment to solve a unique solution. So anything out of our composable platform is just that, composable to build and to integrate into the environment that the customer has. That customer could be an Avaya customer, it could be a non-Avaya customer, it could be uh, a cloud, another cloud. They may have gone cloud for, let's say, UC, but they need to solve a problem around inbound, outbound automation. It'll work in any environment. That is critical because, like you said, for people to adopt and start using the technology, if the, the minimum threshold is throw everything out and go 100% cloud before you even get that return on the problem you're trying to solve, it, it's that, like you said, the barrier to entry. So our our whole strategy is predicated on pushing innovation to the edge, to the customers and our partners to build at their pace, and giving them the tools to integrate it to their environment based on what they have today. We call it our hybrid um, innovation strategy, where it's layered innovation over the top to integrate to any customer requirements. Because again, we're leveraging that platform as a service for experience building as, you know, uh, and the ability to solve business solutions or business problems they're trying to solve, right? So it's about creating use cases that they need. Remember I talked about not boiling the ocean, defining one problem. Mm. Typically that problem is with most 90% of those customers are on-premise customers. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. It's, um, yeah, it's interesting that. So <laughs> there's almost, it's like the more you think about it, um, there's really sort of no, I'm finding it hard to think of an excuse. You know, it's like, 
I know that the floodgates have opened a little bit because of COVID and everyone's realised that, you know, we really should be thinking about how we scale things. Lots of contact centres closed because they had on-prem and couldn't get themselves working from home or whatever it might be. I'm not I'm not, not necessarily of I, I'm just saying in general, generally speaking, that there was some challenges. Um, and I think it's made everybody think a lot about, you know, how the world is going to be. I, I do think it's going to be a working from home culture for, you know, at least the foreseeable future for a lot of companies, even the companies who people are going back to the office is at least a hybrid going on. Um, and also everyone is always under pressure, not just in customer service, marketing teams are under pressure to reach more customers, convert more leads, you know, and, 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 and they're still dealing with inbound traffic and inquiries and all that kind of stuff. And you've got, it's just, it seems as though, it's just inevitable, isn't it? There's only so many people that can work in a business, right? <laughs> but but the world is absolutely huge, and the number of people in the world is huge, growing exponentially. And now you, your business is a global business, and so your market is the world, and therefore your contact is always going to be going up. And so I've really figured, I, I don't know if it's just me because I'm just madly passionate about it and, and this is the space I work in, but I find it very hard to think of an excuse about why somebody wouldn't be seriously considering conversational AI. Uh, I agree with 100%. Think about it, and let's just frame it to the traditional space that Avaya lives in, which is contact center and engagement, uh, employee and customer engagement. You can't hire and train quick enough uh, to add resources to handle now the, 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 the requirements customers have. 24-7, seven days a week, global. Everyone's in that space. You, even if you're regional, 24-7, seven days a week. So the idea of the old days of, I'm going to open up a, a call center in a country that handles multiple languages, blah, blah. By the time you get there, the market's passed. AI and automation makes so, it, there's no reason for it because I can instantly add capacity and relief to any call center through virtual agent technology. That virtual agent technology is you know, pre-built frameworks with AI in that composable cloud. I take that, I modify it to my data, my needs. I integrate that with my call center. So anytime people can actually go to a live agent and instantly I've added capacity, mass, global reach. I, I'm like you. I, to me, it's just misperception what it takes to get there. But to me, the, the biggest innovation in the call center space is the virtual agent because it taps into, it's not just, uh, I replace a live agent. No, it's I assist, I augment not only live agents, but new services, new regions, new languages, you name it. Mm, absolutely. I think that's a very, very nice place to end on. That is fantastic. I know um, we, well, there'll be a lot of people here who, who are you know, wanting to learn a bit more. Where can they go to learn a little bit more about Avaya, about the composable framework uh, and about the stuff you do? I know, I, know you're gonna, I know you've got the workshop. We'll come to the workshop in a minute, but where can people go generally just to learn a little bit more about uh about Avaya and the services yeah. that you have. So two areas. If you go to avaya.com, our, our, our regular public site, it's that's the whole, you know, that's the message. You can navigate to all the pieces, especially our one cloud story, right? So you'll understand all the components that we can uh, uh, make uh, accessible to you. Uh, I have a team of specialists globally that will work with any company. We'll offer one-to-one -one sort of, uh, I'll call it engagement on use cases. So if you contact CPASS sales at avaya.com, uh, that'll hit one of my what we call total experience specialists, and they'll work with you, try to give you questions, get you information, and even talk about scoping out use cases that you're trying to solve. And then, mm, as you nice. said, and then the workshops. The workshops are great because these are like free workshops where, you know, really, I'm glad we had the session because what that workshop really does is it, it dispels the myth of what it takes mm. to solve a problem, right? Because we basically brainstorm with you. You tell us what the problems. We're not going to tell you, here's the technology, here's what you do. This is what you should be doing. You tell us the pain points, and then we consult and work with you. And here are, here are different ways to do it, solve the problem, what makes most sense based on your domain expertise. And then, hey, let's put something up and let's try it. Nice. Wicked. Well, that's absolutely fantastic. Boys and girls, uh, do go to avaya.com forward slash free workshop if you are interested in taking up Davide on his offer. I think it's worth it, to be honest. What what, what have you got to lose apart from uh, two hours? But I'm, I'm assuming and, in fact, confident that you're probably going to leave with more than you turned up with. And so uh, do go to avaya.com forward slash free workshop if that is of interest to you. Davide, this has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolute pleasure. And 
and uh, hopefully we can do this again sometime because that was a nice vibe that we had a really good discussion learned a hell of a lot and I'm sure that the audience has as well so thank you very much for your time yeah, thank you Kane it was great I loved it I love this dialogue and anytime you want me I'd be more than happy to come nice one Cheers now. Uh, we're going to be on a, on a bit of a break uh, next week and the week after. I'm having a long overdue holiday and moving. Uh, and so there's, there's there's a lot of stress and relaxation happening in this household uh, over the next couple of weeks. But we will be back. We'll be back and raring to go uh, in probably about two and a half weeks time with Frank of uh, Speakeasy Frank Schneider, funnily enough. Uh, and we're going to be talking a little bit more about call center automation, virtual bot building, uh, omni-channel conversational experiences, and, and their patent that they've just got uh, as well on, on speech-to-intent technology, which is very unique. And David, if you haven't checked out Speakeasy, I definitely recommend doing that because they have probably probably some of the most impressive technology that I've seen in this space, uh, definitely. So, yeah. yeah. It's all about partnering, right? They, they, again, our, our, some of the things, the biggest strength is the ecosystem of we can't build everything. So our partners really help participate in that. Exactly, exactly. Nice one. Couldn't have said it better myself. Well, boys and girls, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, stay safe, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. Cheers now. Take care.